Good morning, church. Happy Father's Day to the fathers out there. Um, if you are a father today, or even if you're just a man, okay, maybe you got nephews or something, we got a special treat for you, an opportunity for a special treat for you. Right here on my shoulder is this Kansas City Royal, Royal Blue tote bag made of the choicest material. This could be yours. But wait, that's not all. Let's take a look what's inside here. Hmm. We have some Kansas City Chiefs red, very red, right? Socks. Okay, those could be yours. Those are those are fancy. Those are fancy. We have a Yeti 20 ounce tumbler. That could be yours. And there's a special treat inside. And this very good book, excellent book, called Hero, Being the Strong Father Your Children Need by Dr. Meg Meeker. Uh, so, um, all you have to do is uh, fill out your communication card. We're going to collect the father's collection cards, communication cards, early at the end of the sermon. So you have now until the end of the sermon, fill out your communication card, and I'm going to have um, Ryan and Carter collect those cards at the end of the sermon. We're going to put them here in this basket, and then we're going to draw a name, and the winner gets this fancy prize, okay? So keep that in mind. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Galatians 4, 4 through 7. It says, But when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because, because you are sons of God, God sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Now, I became a father about 22 months ago, so I'm kind of new at it, uh, just about two years' experience. I can tell you it can be a little bit difficult. It can be kind of a challenge. Um, it's a big responsibility. You know, sometimes fathers, they, they get a bad rap, right, on TV, they're depicted as sort of aloof, incompetent, irresponsible. And did you know that there's such a thing as a dad joke? Have you heard of this? Dad jokes? Okay. If you ask Google what a dad joke is, Google will tell you this. An unoriginal or unfunny joke, didn't know there was such a thing, of a type told by middle-aged or older men. Here's a few examples. Did you hear about the guy who invented lifesavers? They say he made a mint. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Whenever the cashier asks my dad if he would like his milk in a bag, he replies, no, just leave it in the carton. That's a dad joke. Me, dad. Make me a sandwich. Dad, poof, you're a sandwich. 
dad humor. Okay, listen to this one. Whenever we drive by a cemetery, my dad says, you know why I can't be buried there? To which we all reply, why not? And he says, because I'm not dead yet. That's a dad joke. How's this one? Three-legged dog walks into a bar and says, I'm looking for the man who shot my paw. Okay, that's, that's a pretty good one, right? That one might be better than a dad joke. All right, one more. Hey, Dad, did you get a haircut? No, son, I got them all cut. All right. So dads can be known for being a little bit corny, a little goofy, even a little irresponsible. But, you know, most of the dads I know try really hard to be sincere, loving, caring, responsible fathers. Now, if you don't believe me that it can be a challenge, it can be a little difficult, think about this. The uh, preferred title that God uses for himself is Father. Now, mothers, we all know that you have a difficult job as well. But at least you don't have to live up to that title, Father, that God likes for himself. In fact... The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Father is a big name to live up to. After Jesus ascended into heaven after his time on earth, many things changed and life would never be the same, especially for the baptized believer. Sin and death were no longer invincible enemies to be feared. Life isn't all about being perfect to the law, to the letter of the law, but about being trusting and faithful. Salvation is now available for everyone on the planet. Not for just a few, but for everyone. Another change that was significant because of Jesus' time on earth is that he revealed God as our loving Father. That was a big change. Jesus brings us into, a, into an intimate relationship of the likes that had never been known before. Jesus as loving Father. Now, obviously, this does not mean that God is, is like Homer Simpson or Peter Griffin or some aloof dad that you just roll your eyes at. No, instead, God shows us the standard on what fatherhood is really all about. So yes, God does set the standard for us fathers. It's a very high standard and we're never going to meet that standard. We know that. But that's the standard nonetheless. In the New Testament, the go-to name for God is Father. Father is mentioned 239 times in the New Testament. It actually... That's wrong. Especially in the Gospels, Father is used. In the Gospels alone, Father is used 239 times. And it's especially, especially common in Matthew, where it's used 71 times. And it's especially, especially, especially common in John, where Father is used 109 times. Just in John alone. Jesus talks about God as his Father 
all the time. Which is kind of odd, because Jews in the first century, that's what Jesus was, they didn't talk about God as their father. They talked about Abraham, maybe Isaac and Jacob, even Moses as their father. And God as father, it seems a little too informal for a most holy God. God as father seems a little irreverent for the creator of the universe to be known as an earthly title, father, dad. In Romans chapter 4, verse 16, uh, Paul says, Abraham is the father of us all. Abraham, not God. The woman, at the, the woman at the well told Jesus, she said, Are you greater than our father Jacob? And in John 6.32, Jesus says, It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. The true bread from heaven was, of course, Jesus. So the thing to do was to call Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, even Moses, your father. So can you imagine the irritation that the Jewish leaders must have went through when Jesus is just cavalierly calling God Father? My father this, my father that, dad this, Abba Father. This is God here. How irreverent. It's kind of just another way that Jesus got himself killed. And people weren't ready for this change. That was significant. But you know, this concept as God as Father shouldn't have been so foreign to the Jewish leaders. In the Old Testament, we can see glimpses of God as Father. In Isaiah and in the Psalms. So, for example, in Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah calls God everlasting Father. Psalm chapter 68, verse 5 David said, a father to the fatherless is God in his holy dwelling. And in Psalm 89, verse 26, God God says of David, he will call out to me, you are my father, my God, my rock, my savior. God is father, even though mentioned only a couple times in the Old Testament, was there, foreshadowing Jesus' revelation as God as a heavenly father. So today, on Father's Day, to you dads out there, what can we learn from God being our father? Why is it significant to move from Abraham being our father to God being our father? Well, we could talk forever about how God shows us how to be a father. But to save you on a sermon that will last till next Tuesday... I'll just pick out one thing that I think is really important and from one scripture that I think speaks the loudest on God as Father. And it comes from Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. Matthew chapter 6 is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, which is probably Jesus' most famous sermon, most famous speech, uh, made famous for the way it kind of turned the wisdom of the world on its head. Um, it, was a, it was a great speech, obviously, made by uh, Jesus. And already in the Sermon on the Mount, 
He called God Father five times when we get to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And here, in my opinion, he takes it to a whole nother level. A whole nother level. Do you know that nether is a word? N-O-T-H-E-R? A whole nother level. Okay? So here's Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. They think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, God certainly is very important. We all know that. He's very wise. He's all-knowing. He's very powerful. But here in this scripture, we see that God is not too good, not too important to make time for each one of his children personally. He's entirely present, available, engaged personally in the lives of all of his kids. God covets one-on-one time with his children. His desire for his children is for them to feel safe coming to them with whatever they need. Questions, praise, simply affection, whatever it is. God really enjoys time spent with his kids, one-on-one. So the one thing that we can learn that to me is the most important thing is just to be present. Be available to your children. Your presence really, really matters to them. One of the things that can kind of trip dads up is the illusion that mothers are the most important parent. Now, mothers, we all know you're very important. Uh, but mothers don't have the main primary responsibility in raising the children. The dad's primary responsibility is there too. I mean, sometimes, after all, the dad can kind of feel like an extra adult in the house. Not really good for much except maybe washing the dishes. But that does not diminish the father's role. Um, Sometimes children, a lot of times, they bond with their mother first. Okay? So that, that's kind of why dads feel like they're extra adults. But, noted sociologist David Papineau says this. says, fathers are far more than just second adults in the home. Involved fathers bring positive benefits to their children that no other person is as likely to bring. Now, the positive benefits is a long list of involved fathers that they have on their children. But let me just name a couple for both boys and girls. So, for example, boys with their father in the home 
turn out to be more self-confident and much less violent. It's boys. For girls with the dad in the home, they're much more likely to have appropriate relationships, healthier relationships with the opposite sex as they grow up. In fact, just this month, the Wall Street Journal uh, published an article that shows proof how insufficient fathering predisposes girls to risky sexual behavior defined as promiscuity, unprotected sex, and sex while intoxicated. Dads, are you listening now? Have I got your attention? Okay, I'll quote from the Wall Street Journal article. It says, The prolonged presence of a warm and engaged father can buffer girls against early, high-risk sex. It's all about dosage of exposure to dads. Dads, your presence, your engagement, your availability to your children really matters. Children both boys and girls are desperate for your presence and your time and your affection. So for the, uh, the golf fans here today, you know that um, the final round of the U.S. Open is today. Being Father's Day, you might get to watch it. Um, but you might have noticed there's, there was a name missing on all the scorecards. In 1999, 18 years ago, Phil Mickelson was competing in the U.S. Open. Meanwhile, his wife Amanda was in the hospital going to give birth to their daughter Amanda. His wife's name was Amy, daughter's name Amanda. But while he was competing, his wife was pregnant, just about to pop. Phil Mickelson said that if she went into labor, he would leave the U.S. Open and go to be with Amanda, his wife. Would he actually do it? Well, he had a pager on him. His caddy had a pager on him. Some of you young people don't know what a pager is. But it's a form of communication. Ancient form of communication. The pager. And uh, so if he got the page from his wife, he would leave the tournament to go be with Amanda to witness his daughter Get the names all mixed up. His daughter, Amanda, be born. Wife's name is Amy. So, would he actually go through with it? Well, we didn't know because his daughter, Amanda, didn't arrive until a couple of days after the U.S. Open. So, here it is, 2017. What happens 18 years later? High school graduation. High school graduation for Amanda fell on the opening round of the U.S. Open. Now, Phil Mickelson wants to win the U.S. Open desperately. In the 18 years since Amanda was born, he's won every major championship except the U.S. Open. And he's come in second place six times at the U.S. Open. He desperately wants to win the U.S. Open. And it came to a shock to many when he withdrew from the U.S. Open because he wanted to be there for his daughter's high school graduation. For those that knew Phil Mickelson, it came as no surprise. So I think he would have left the U.S. Open back in 1999 because he left the U.S. Open in 2017, even after coming in second six 
times. Phil Mickelson knows that the kids need him. They need him to be there, for him to be available, ever-present, engaged in their children's lives. And now, because of his decision, thousands of preachers across America are talking about Phil Mickelson today, (laughs) including me. So, dads, you know, you might have considerable status and respect at your job, in the community. You might be a deacon or an elder here at church. You might be very busy and very important to a lot of people. But don't let that admiration and respect be more important to you than the admiration and respect that you receive at home from your kids. That respect and admiration should come first, should be most valuable to you. Jesus, he came to earth in order for humanity to get acquainted with their heavenly Father. Because their view, their view of God was flawed. Jesus needed them to get to know their heavenly Father, God as Father. And it brought people into a very intimate relationship with God that had never been known before. Well, our view of fathers today is flawed in our culture. Homer Simpson, Peter Griffin. Hey, our view of fathers is flawed. So to the fathers here today have maybe slowly kind of gotten off track of where you should be in the home, it's never too late to get back on track, to be engaged, to be present and available for your children because they desperately need you. They need your affection. They need to know that you love them. You can still have that intimate relationship with your kids that Jesus showed us we can have with God, our Father. And it took Jesus for us to have that relationship with God, our Savior. And it might take Jesus for you to have that relationship with your kids. When you have a relationship with Jesus and you try to follow Him, your kids will notice. When your children know that you're not perfect, but you strive to be a good man, to be a good father, to be a good husband to their mom, they'll notice. They'll notice that potential hero that they really need. All right, so dads, have you filled out your communication cards? Are you ready to pass them to the inner aisle? Um, You can do that now, Ryan and Carter, if you want to start collecting those cards. And you can place them up here in the basket. And we will um, draw a name. We'll do it right after the closing prayer this morning, okay? So we'll go ahead and finish out our services, and then we'll, we'll draw a name, okay? If you're here this morning and you're like, wow, God is my heavenly Father, my Dad. You've never known Him this way before. Maybe He's just been, you know, this powerful being in the sky up there looking down on us as we suffer. That's a flawed view of God. He is your heavenly Father. He cares for you. He loves you. And He covets a relationship 
with you. If you would like to become a Christian, or if you need help in your walk with God, you may come forward. We're going to sing an invitation song. Uh, Jerome, come on up. Whatever your need, let's stand and sing. You can come forward.